0: I trust that you've been enjoying this fivefold ministry series. Is it blessing your heart? Is it challenging you? Is it speaking to your life? That's the goal. We want to see the gifts of God that are deposited in your life. We want to see those come uh, and be exercised, discovered, and we want to empower you as the local church then to use those gifts to be a blessing. And Jesus has given you these fivefold gifts. It's in the body today. Whether you know it or not, it's there. For some, it's dormant. For others, it's active, and we just want to speak life over that gift in this place and fan it into flame, so that you can be used of the Lord to be fruitful and and, and powerful uh, in the power of the Spirit, and so we continue in this series today, and we're focusing on the ministry of shepherds. Our scripture comes from Acts 20, verses 28 to 31. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts 20, verses 28 to 31. The scripture is on the screen behind me. Would you read together with me in one voice? Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has been made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning from Acts 20. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. And Lord, today as we continue to move through this series, I pray, God, that you would bring to surface the gift of shepherding. Lord, we pray that you'd identify it in the life of believers and that we would not just have a 21st century understanding of shepherding, but we would really have a biblical understanding of shepherding and that we would not uh, be chasing after things that are not true, Lord, that we would be actually emulating you, the good shepherd. And so, Father, teach us to have your heart. Give us your heart and, and let us know, let it beat for the things your heart beats for. Your heart beats for people. You love people. And Lord, I pray that we would have a pure heart. So Father, teach us today, Lord, I pray that we would love people, that we would know the people even sitting around us today, that we would not be strangers, but we would care enough to know people, their names and their stories and what they're all about, Lord, because this needs to be, Lord, a whole and healthy church. Lord, uh, I pray that you would do this in the life of our church today. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen me for the task of preaching. I cannot do this without you, and I don't want to do it without you. I want to do it with you. Send your spirit to empower me for this task. Lord, we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. The gift of shepherding is the most understood and the most celebrated of the fivefold ministry gifts. And every church typically has a pastor, and that is their shepherd. Congregants have general expectations of their pastors. Maybe you have these expectations of me. A pastor will know us. That's actually a good expectation to have, that you should be known. You're not just a number, you're a person and you belong to the flock of God, that you should be known. A pastor will feed us. That's a good expectation to have, that as the pastor stands at the pulpit, the word of God should be delivered to you to feed you with spiritual food. A pastor will care for us, that when we're going through circumstances in our lives and challenges in our lives, we don't have to go through it alone, but we go through it with the counsel and the godly advice of our pastor, who's there for you. And so to all of these, I say hearty yes and amen. These are true. These are true. I want to be true of me, true of our pastoral staff, and a true of our church, that we are that kind of place, and these are true expectations. In addition to every church having a pastor or even a pastoral team, every church also has congregants who function in various shepherding capacities. Let me give you some examples. Consider the elders in this church. We have an elders council made up of seven people, and they are biblically responsible for providing spiritual oversight over this assembly. In particular, they look after the membership of our church and monitoring that and walking with them. Consider small group leaders. How many people are a part of a small group today? Raise your hand just for a moment. Just to look around. Good. If you're not part of a small group, get into a small group. You know, small group leaders, they provide leadership and extend care to their group members. They pray together. They read the word together. They stand with each other. They meet each other's needs as a group. You can just ask one of those group members and they'll tell you that. Consider our prayer teams that pray before service and during service and after service for the congregant, uh, congregation at large and for congregants one-on-one. Even that pastoral care of praying together is a shepherding act. And so there's many shepherding gifts active in the body. And so as you can see, the shepherding ministry is much broader than we may have thought and limited it to. Alan Hirsch broadens the practical definition of shepherding in his book 5Q, which we've been studying on Wednesdays at the church. The shepherding function or purpose of the church exists to enrich communal experience, develop social bonding, demonstrate credible witness, protect the body, promote and facilitate healing, encourage shalom, which is God's peace and wholeness, Champion inclusion and embrace. Assist in discipleship in the way, that is, in the way of Jesus. Enable human flourishing. Cultivate the family of God and cultivate rich and loving community. Now, isn't that the kind of church you want to be a part of? That's the church I want to be a part of. It's important to remember that the shepherding gift must always be exercised under accountability. That all pastors, every one of us as pastors, myself included, we shepherd in submission to the chief shepherd that is Jesus Christ. He is the shepherd. And all those with the shepherding gift in the congregation, they are to shepherd in submission to their pastor who is giving oversight over them. So friends, there's this. There is no place for rogue shepherding in the church. So while we have a stereotype of the 21st century pastor, in all of our minds this morning, I want us to examine Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31, to ensure that we have a biblical understanding of the role and the function of a shepherd. The first point this morning, if you're taking notes, keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over yourselves. And we see this in verse 28, and it says it just like that. I've taken my notes right out of the Bible. Keep watch over yourself. And there is a biblical warning for those who are entrusted with the ministry of shepherding right from the beginning. And it's beware, beware, beware of this. Beware of neglecting your own spiritual walk when shepherding others. You know, we can get so focused on the gift of focusing on other people and encouraging them in their faith and all that kind of stuff that we neglect our own spiritual walk with God. Let me tell you as a pastor who is a shepherd that sometimes it can be a challenge to read God's Word. Sometimes it can be a challenge to pray. But if I don't have my life in order then I'll be caring for you and telling you to read God's Word and telling you to pray and telling you to be led by the Holy Spirit while in my own life it's not happening. I don't think you want a pastor like that. Many of you are familiar with the aviation protocol in the event of a pressure drop in the cabin. Now, I know there is a demonstration that happens at the beginning of the flight, and you see the flight attendant, and they put the mask on and off and give you that example. And actually, every time you see this, you're reminded of the futility of life that in just a moment, your life could be no more. But, uh, you know, it's our worst nightmare. We don't want it to happen, so we pay attention. Should oxygen masks fall from above, you are to put your own mask on before you assist someone else with their mask. And it's not about being selfish, but it's about personal responsibility, isn't it? That the longer you are unmasked in that difficult situation, the more susceptible you are to shortness of breath, which can lead to passing out, which will mean that you're of no use and no help for anyone. And this is much more than an encouragement for self-care. It is keeping watch over oneself. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul, he instructed this young pastor named Timothy. And he said, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Did you notice that? It didn't just say you will save your hearers. It said you will save yourself and your hearers. How can we tell others what to do when we ourselves do not do it? Friends, that's called being hypocritical. And no one likes a hypocrite. If we do not watch over ourselves, how can we expect those we minister to to then watch over themselves? And and so, friends, this is called being accountable. We all have to give an account for the way we live, for the way we conduct ourselves, for what we believe. You know, there are two words in theology. One is orthodoxy, and the other one is orthopraxy. Orthodoxy means basically what the scripture said when it said, watch your doctrine closely. That's what orthodoxy is. Watch, make sure you have right belief. Make sure that you watch your doctrine closely. And then orthopraxy means to watch your life closely. It's not one or the other. It's actually orthodoxy and orthopraxy. It's doctrine and life. It's both and. You know, Satan, he strategically strikes those who have the capacity to shepherd, and they are not exempt from attack, but they are specifically targeted by Satan because of their desire to provide spiritual care to many people. And in a prophetic word given through the prophet Zechariah, the Lord said in Zechariah 13 verse 7, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And this verse was later quoted by Jesus concerning himself in Matthew 26, 31. And then he fulfilled it in Matthew 26, verse 56. You know what happened? Jesus was arrested. And what happened to all the disciples? They scattered. This is not only true of pastors, but it's true of anyone with the ministry of shepherding. By striking the one, the impact is felt by many. So no matter how gifted you are, we celebrate the gift of God in you, the gift of shepherding, but it's important that we first tend to our own walk with God and our own thoughts about God before we go tell people how to walk and how to think. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, and that's the challenge here. I'm not saying you have to have it all together, because you'll never have it all together. Here's the reality, that as we tend to ourselves, as we watch our life, as we watch our doctrine, at the same time, we encourage other people to watch their life and their doctrine. Secondly today, keep watch over all the flock. Keep watch over all the flock. This is in the second half of verse 28. The scripture says, keep watch over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You know, while this verse is often used as a charge to pastors, to those who are in positions of oversight, those with a shepherding gift are to be mainly concerned with two things, the health and the safety of the church, of the flock. And we must be very clear that these people are basically the health and safety department of every church. We must be clear about, those who possess, who, about who possesses ownership over that church. You know, the church, as the pastor, I can say, oh, this is my church. My church is WPA. Now, I can say that in a, in a simple way, like I attend WPA or I work at WPA. But if that gets to my head, then I'll say WPA is my church. But WPA is not my church. Amen? Okay, we're getting there. Some of you have been here for a long time, and you've been here maybe since the very beginning, or maybe not, maybe halfway through, or through some of the formative years of this church. Let me tell you today, WPA is not your church either. It's okay, you might hate me later. You can throw stones later at me, but you know what? It's okay. Nobody brought their tomatoes today, so. Here's the reality. WPA is not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. Okay, that's the truth. God forbid we ever get into an entitlement mindset where we think it's ours and not his. And so what do we do? We understand that this is the church of God. It belongs to God. You know why? You and I never shed any blood for the people we shepherd. You didn't go to the cross. I didn't go to the cross for these people. Jesus did. Therefore, it's his possession, not mine, not yours. And shepherds do not own that. We don't own anything. We provide oversight over God's things. It's a delegated authority. It's not, a owning, it's not an ownership. It's delegated oversight. For to keep watch over all the flock, we need to actually know the people, the individual sheep that compose God's flock. We actually need to know who they are. Alan Hershey suggests this, to be a good shepherd in any reasonable sense of the word would be to know all the names and the stories of the people in one's immediate care. Now, I I gotta be honest with you. This is a challenge for me. This church has grown to be about 1,200 people. It is getting more and more difficult for me as a pastor to know each and every one of your names. So first of all, you need to have grace. If I've ever botched your name, I ask for your forgiveness. Okay, if in a moment I can't recall your name, myself and the pastors here, please be gracious to us because there's many people to know. And we shepherd a large, very large flock. Now between myself, Pastor Kim and Paul and the pastors, I think we can figure out we know who everybody is. We can collaborate and triangulate together and we figure it out, we know who everybody is. But on our own, sometimes it's tough. Here's the thing, we actually want to know your names. More than your names, we don't want to just know your names, we want to know your stories. That's important, because you want to tell your story, and actually, we want to hear your story, because when we share stories and swap stories, we hear how God intercepted your life, and what difference He'd make, and what giftings He put in you, and then we know how to lead you forward. It's crucial to know Your story, because your story is a God's story. You know, all ceases to be all when one goes missing. It's so hard in a church this size to keep track of everybody. It's not like I can stand here and take attendance on Sunday morning. Okay, great. Pastor Sharon, check, you know, great. I can't just go through that. That's not what it's about here. But I have to notice when you're present, and I have to notice when you're absent. Because a shepherd notices these things. In Matthew 18, 12 to 14, Jesus spoke about the value of sheep and the flock. He says this, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Man, what a God. What a shepherd. You know, by perish, Jesus means that those individuals who were once among us have wandered from us. When they wander from us, there is a drift from the faith. You know, it's not negligent to leave the flock in search for the lost sheep. It's actually diligent because there's great value on the individual sheep. And so to do so is to have a shepherd's heart, which is the very heart of Jesus, the shepherd. You know, if we're going to keep watch over all the flock, then we also need to feed and care for God's flock. In other words, you need to eat well. and You need to be taken care of well. In John 21, verse 15 to 17, it was the resurrected Jesus who commissioned Peter to a ministry of shepherding. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, You know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. You can just imagine back to Peter's story denying Jesus three times. Do you love me, he said. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, the key to understanding the scripture is the very beginning of verse 15, where it says, after they had finished eating. (laughs) I think that's the most important part of that scripture right there. After they finished, they ate together. You know, Peter was a sheep himself. He was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, and he and the other disciples had been fed by Jesus through the miraculous catch of fish. And knowing that the ascension was near, the questions Jesus asked helped determine Peter's readiness to continue his ministry in his absence. Basically, he's asking Peter, Peter, are you ready? Are you ready? Have I fed you enough that you know how to feed others? Jesus said, feed my lambs. He was referring specifically to those who were young in the faith. You know, that distinction between the lambs Differing from sheep that they are less than one year old. A lamb is less than one year old. And when Jesus said, take care of my sheep, he was emphasizing the role and the responsibility of oversight from the shepherd over the sheep. Like, tend to them, care for them, keep them together. Because sheep need a shepherd. And when Jesus said, feed my sheep, he was emphasizing the feeding of all sheep. It's not just the young lambs who need shepherding. All sheep, regardless of their age, regardless of their stage, depend on a shepherd in order to be fed. So to those with the shepherding gift in ministry, friends, you show God that you love him when you feed and you take care of his lambs and his sheep. Thirdly, today, keep watch for the wolves. Keep watch for the wolves. Verses 29 to 31. Scripture says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard, exclamation mark. The Apostle Paul, he prepared these shepherds by heightening their awareness to the external and internal threats that can put a flock in danger. And shepherds have this responsibility to protect the flock and to stay on guard. That is the duty of the shepherd. But in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, in that famous love chapter, we find the Apostle Paul teaching this. Love always protects. You will protect what you love. If you don't love people, you won't protect people. But if you love people with Christ's love, even though you're not related to them, even though you don't really know them, but if you love them, you will protect them. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14, the Apostle Paul, he admonished us: be on your guard, exactly what we read in Acts twenty thirty one: Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, little bit of Joshua in there, and do everything in love. Everything in love, because love protects. As we read Acts 20, 29 to 31, we notice that the sheep and the wolves represented are both literal and figurative. They're both real-life examples, and they're pictures of what a pastor or a shepherding gift looks like. Look at the two biblical shepherds who fought off wolves. The first is David. David was a good shepherd. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 35, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. I mean, this guy is a real life hero. This guy is Hulk. He he was probably an inferior warrior, but he was a superior shepherd. This guy had shepherding down to a science, to an art. You know, he had overcome his fears at a young age by guarding and protecting the father's flock, by chasing and uh, seizing and striking and killing lions and bears, no tigers, oh my, you know. It's quite the resume. Imagine you're writing your resume. Killed five lions. (laughs) Not so bad, eh? You should hire me. I'm pretty strong. (laughs) Grabbed it by its hair. I mean, all the tales to tell. You're probably wondering, hey, pastor, you know, we see the lions and bears, but we don't see the wolves. What happened to the wolves? This is all about wolves. You're trying to prove your point about wolves. You know, many commentators believe that the wolves were an endangered species in that area, possibly because of this, because of the the protective efforts of the shepherds. That there were so many shepherds who were like David, who were doing such a good job that they were killing wolves, that there were so few wolves left. You know, if shepherds were doing their jobs and sheep were the main diet of lions and bears, then you see the problem, scarcity of wolves. You know, when a wild animal attacked the flock, David went after it. He just didn't play defense and protect. He went after it and killed it. When a wild animal turned on him, oh, then he really killed it because it meant his life. And if he was not able to protect the flock, who would protect the flock? You know, to guard and protect means to eliminate the threat altogether. That's what we should do as as shepherds. We should eliminate the threat altogether. And that requires what? Doing some spiritual warfare. It means fighting a little bit with the giants and the enemies in our lives. You notice that David wasn't afraid, right? Why was he not afraid when he walked up to Goliath? He had trained all his life to not be afraid. He wasn't afraid of lions. He wasn't afraid of bears. He wasn't afraid of Goliath. No fear. So, of course, of course, this is appropriate when we're talking about a literal shepherd during biblical times. But what about the role of a shepherd taken figuratively, figuratively and the threat is a person and not an animal? Now, we don't go kill. We, we, it's permissible to kill an animal. It's not permissible to kill a human being. So, this is not like go kill them, right? This is a challenge for us. That in the case of people, the real threat is not the person but the spirit working inside the person. And there can be sheep in wolves' clothing among us who are deceptive. These battles are won by engaging in spiritual warfare through prayer and through intercession. Next, we look at Jesus. Of course, Jesus is a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. One of Jesus' seven I am statements was that he was the good shepherd. In John 10, 2 to 5, Jesus explained, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his what? His voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Isn't that amazing? Hold on for a second. He knows your name. That should just make you feel better. Jesus, the shepherd of the sheep, the good shepherd knows your name. He knows personal things about you. And he leads them out. And when he has brought uh, brought out all of his own, he's possessive of that, it's his own. He goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a shepherd, a stranger, sorry. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. You know, strangers would try to impersonate the shepherd in an attempt to lead the flock astray in order to maybe steal some of the sheep for themselves. And thankfully, sheep are able to recognize the voice of their shepherd from the voice of a stranger. Thankfully, we are likened to sheep, which means that this, we should be able to recognize recognize the voice of the Lord from the voice of the enemy. You should be able to do that. There should be something in you as a believer, a level of basic discernment that you should know the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice. This is good news. Nevertheless, a stranger still poses a threat because he or she can scatter the flock. Yes, the flock might not follow the stranger, but when the stranger comes, the flock scatters. The shepherd would have to go to and fro to regather the sheep again and bring them back to be a flock again. You know, when the role of the shepherd is taken figuratively, the body of Christ is always at risk because from time to time, strangers who act like shepherds arise to distort the truth in order to draw sheep away from their flock. And these people, we as pastors, we call them sheep stealers. Let me tell you, in this church, in the seven years I've been here, there have been many sheep stealers. I'll be honest with you. I've seen them, I've met them, I've talked to them, I've told some to leave because they're a danger and a threat to this church. I want you to know if somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, I'm pastor so-and-so. Uh, I, want that, I want your antenna to be up and for that to be a red flag. If you've never seen them at our church, if they've never stood on this platform and spoken the word of God to you and prayed for you, be, just be aware, be alert, be aware, be on guard. Yes, they may have some credentials, and yes, they might have a business card, my friends, but it's easy to print a business card, and it's easy to get credentials today. Be aware. Let me know so I can deal with it. But there might be many people who would come and who'd say, hey, come on out to this. Come, come follow me. Come to this Bible study that I'm leading. You know what they're doing? They're dividing the flock. Be alert. Be on guard. We are your shepherds and we care for you. We watch over you just as Jesus watches over us. Jesus combated this in John 10, 11 to 13 when he said these words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The question is this, are we hirelings or are we shepherds? Do we care for God's sheep enough to stay with them rather than abandon them when the wolves will come? And here's the thing, the wolves will come. That's actually the promise of Scripture. They're coming. But you need to be a shepherd enough to ward them away, to destroy them, to get rid of them. Friends, that is the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. You know, Satan is that big bad wolf who comes to steal, kill, and destroy but the good shepherd Jesus laid down his life for his sheep on the cross and in doing so he delivered a beating upon that big bad wolf that he'll never forget it and we shepherds who have the gift of shepherding we imitate the good shepherd we need to guard and protect one another at all costs you know we are each other's bro- we are our brothers and sisters keeper that's true You might not be my biological brother or sister, but in the spirit, you're my spiritual brother and sister. We need to protect one another. You need to watch out for each other. And that is why we want this church to become such a tight-knit church, that even though it's so large and though it has two services, the reason why we host events like the Koinonia event is so that we actually learn how to fellowship with each other and we get to know each other and know each other's names and stories because we do life together. The worship team returns to the stage. We conclude this morning. And as we end, I I want the Apostle Peter to have the last word today on shepherding. And while these verses are addressed to the elders, I I still think there's some general principles for those who have a shepherding gift. And, And once again, that gift is distributed in this room among you and people at home. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2-4, to we read, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but, being, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, oh, he will appear you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Why do we shepherd? Because there's a crown of glory coming our way. There's no earthly rewards, friends. I know shepherding can be actually hard work because there's very little earthly reward. But it's not about the rewards. It's about the eternal ramifications of what we do now. You know, in this passage, we find three knots: Not because you must not out of compulsion or force that somebody's forcing you to do this, not pursuing dishonest gain, not doing it so that you can get a side benefit, not lording it over others, not because you want power over people. In other words, shepherd from a pure heart. And then in this passage, we also find three buts. It says, but because you are willing. Because you're willing means because it gives you joy, because you're willing to do it. Be, but, but eager to serve. Why? Because you're gifted in it. But being examples. Because it's not about how great you are. It's about how you can serve people by being humble. And when you do that, my friends, you shepherd from a loving heart. God wants you to shepherd with a loving heart and a pure heart. I'll tell you this, I'm grateful to be your pastor. It's a joy. So thankful for the years we share together, the years to come. I love being the shepherd of this church. It's an honor. it's a, it's a wonderful privilege. I'm grateful for a pastoral team. I, I love the fact that we have many pastors at our church. They are your shepherds as well. They serve under my oversight, but they are your shepherds. Listen to them, hear them out. If they're saying something to you, take it. Consider it. But to be a healthy and safe church, my friends, we need those with the gift of shepherding to shepherd well. We need you to identify the giftings in your life. And if there's a shepherd gifting, the only way the body of Christ is gonna be built up here at WPA to its fullness is if you activate the shepherd and gift in your life. What is the shepherding gift in your life? It's loving on others, caring for others, meeting the needs of others, encouraging others in the Lord. That's all it is. That's all it is. You don't have to have the title of pastor to do that. That's my job description. That's all I do all week, aside from preaching the word as a teacher of the word of God. It's loving on people, being with people. And some of you already have identified that gift and you do it so well. But friends, this church is not where it needs to be. There's still some immaturity. There's still some growth towards maturity that we need to do. And in order to get to that mature place, you need to do what God has gifted you to do, what Christ has apportioned for you. Use that gift. Exercise that gift for his glory to build up the body. And if you do, I promise you this. We will be the most loving and caring church in this area. And I say that for this reason, not so we're famous, but so that people come to know Jesus. It's really simple. I I don't care about the reputation of this church being famous because of A, B, and C. It's not about reputation on earth. It's about kingdom values. Kingdom values means souls. Kingdom values means missions. Kingdom values means eternity. We need to focus on those things. So let's shepherd well. Let's do what God has gifted us and called us to do to the glory of God for the building up of his church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.